Hello, you're listening to the No Fucks Given podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Knight, author of the No Fucks Given Guides, a series of self-help books for people like me who hate being told what to do. Just like the books, the podcast is fun, sweary, and full of tips and techniques for giving fewer, better fucks and living your best life. Let's get to it. First, I just want to say thank you for listening. This podcast is four months old today, and I've been having so much fun doing it and hearing from everybody who has been a loyal listener since the beginning and people who are just discovering it. Um, If you don't know, today is actually a special episode. It is my monthly You Asked For It audio advice column where I take listener questions and give my best no-nonsense, no-fucks-given answers. If you want to send me a question, you can email podcast at nofucksgivenguides.com. And if you've already sent me one and you haven't heard yours yet on air, never fear. I do read them all, and I just try to mix and match and make a variety of questions uh, for each installment, so yours may absolutely come up on a future episode. And if you follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, you will never miss an episode and you will always have the opportunity to find out once a month if I answered your you asked for it question. Today, I am going to cover fears that sticking to a strict fuck budget will rob you of surprise joy, dealing with constantly flaky friends, family pressuring you to conform, Frustration about giving advice that falls on deaf ears. I know a little something about this one. Keeping friendships alive when you really love spending time alone. Standing up to rude people, including those you can't avoid like teammates and classmates. In-law friction and people not respecting your time. This is a twofer. And finally, how to stop giving a fuck about random internet comments and trolls. And as always, I will include a weekly NFG tip at the end of the episode, so listen all the way through for that. For now, here we go with this month's You Asked For It audio advice column. This listener asked, how do you factor in things that you don't want to do, but that are rewarding once completed? For example, I almost never look forward to work happy hours or time spent doing charity work or going to dinner with a new couple that my wife and I might end up being friends with. I generally don't want to dedicate my fuck bucks to any of those things, but often when I'm done, I'm glad I did. I had a pretty good time, had some interesting conversations, and maybe helped people. If I always followed your no-fucks-given system, I would say no to almost all of these events and miss out on all those nice after-the-fact good feelings. Where does that fit in? So this is an interesting question, and it's one that I've been getting some version of for the last five years ever since I published the life-changing magic of not giving a fuck. And also uh, a couple years after that, when I gave my TED Talk, I get lots of people saying, okay, but what if, you know, what if I remove all of these things that annoy me from my life? I mentally declutter, uh, as you've suggested and instructed me on doing. And as it turns out, it means that I'm going to miss these surprise, uh, unexpected joys And I have to admit, you guys, that when I get this question, I often bristle a little bit and I think, well, now you're just taking the piss. You know, now you're just trying to kind of come at me and say, well, you really shouldn't not give a fuck about anything because then you might miss out on great stuff. Uh, And the fact is there are different kinds of people in the world. 
those who are open to new and unexpectedly fun experiences, and those like me who are closed to definitely bad experiences or probably bad experiences. And the level of mental decluttering you do and the level of room in your fuck budget is really specific to you. Uh, It doesn't have anything to do with a rigid following of my uh, mental decluttering plan and my not sorry method. But that said, I would like to try to come at this question with compassion and an open heart. Just kidding. I never do that. Um, But I would like to ease this listener through my response, which is this. I think that it sounds like you are somebody who actually does want to do these things. Uh, And that's what you're learning from balancing your fuck budget. When you allocate time, energy, or money, those are what I call your fuck bucks, to these activities and they turn out to be fun and rewarding, then I think that means that you actually want to put these activities in your fuck budget. Um, So it's a little bit of a chicken and the egg situation, but it seems like you are perhaps reluctant. Maybe you have a little bit of social anxiety. Maybe you're just typically overtired. And so it takes a little extra nudge for you to want to go to that dinner with potential new friends that your wife is introducing you to or to show up for that charity event or whatnot. But that when you do, you actually enjoy it, which means it belongs in your fuck budget. So if I were you, I might think about some other things that you've been spending your fuck bucks on that have been overdrawing your time, energy, and money, and that are creating this unwillingness in you to want to do those other things that you mentioned. Why is it that you don't always want to go out to that dinner or do that charity event or go to the after work drinks? Is it because you're tired, you're too busy, Um, you've spent too much mental energy doing other things during the day? And are there places elsewhere in your life and in your fuck budget that you could hold back on so that you can go ahead and not only be happy about after the fact, but be happy and willing before the fact to do these things that you mentioned in your question? So I think it's going to be a shifting of your own fuck budget If you answer honestly, which is something I always advise, ask and answer yourself honestly. What do I want to do? What brings me joy? What annoys? And it sounds like these things actually do bring you joy. So maybe there are other things you could take off your plate to balance it all out. Just in general, guys, I think it's good to always be looking at your fuck budget and moving things around and creating wiggle room for yourself and not being so strict and rigid. Again, I think a lot of people come to my not sorry method for mental decluttering, which is step one, decide what you don't give a fuck about. Step two, don't give a fuck about those things. And they really hit on this idea of no fucks given, zero fucks. Then how do you ever enjoy your life? What do you ever do with your time? That's not it. It's about giving fewer, better fucks to the things that make you happy. So what you might be discovering is that some new things are making you happy. Maybe they were not always in the fuck budget, but now they are. And that's fine. But your time, energy, and money are still precious resources. Some of them are renewable. Some of them, like time, are not. So it's always useful to go back into your fuck budget and see if there's anything else that you can trim or cut back on so that you have that excess amount of time, energy, and money to put toward the things that make you happy or the things that serve you in some way that you really have to do, even if they're not 
necessarily making you do cartwheels down the hallway. So keep refining those fuck budgets and moving on to our next question about flaky friends. This listener says, I have a friend who has been flaking on plans for years, plans them herself, then never shows up or tells me to call her and then doesn't answer. Her replies are always filled with an excuse, but always with the, I miss you, bestie, blah, blah, blah. She does this to a number of us, not just me. Yes, I know you're thinking she's a flake and why do I bother? But do I bluntly call her out on this stuff and end the relationship? Or just stop trying on my end and let the friendship burn out slowly? It frustrates me because she's fun and always positive about everything when we are together or on the phone. But I've definitely had enough of the flaking out, as have a few of her other friends. I look forward to your no fucks given advice. Okay, well, you asked for it, and here's what I have to say about this. Nobody got time for this shit. Um, I have had friends like this in the past. They are not my friends anymore. Frankly, I just do not have the time or energy to chase around after an adult human being who repeatedly makes plans and then bails on them, cancels, doesn't show up, gives me excuses, Like, I just don't have time for that person in my life. That is not a person that I want to be friends with. So I'm not sure if you're asking for permission to end this relationship as opposed to just how to deal with it. But the way I would deal with it would be ending the relationship. And, you know, there are a couple of ways to handle that depending on your tolerance for conflict. You could just say really bluntly, As I did actually to a friend uh, in a story that I told on an earlier episode about time management, a friend who was always late, I finally called her out on it and said, look, I can't meet you for lunch in the middle of my workday if you can't respect my time. You could say to this friend, I'm not making plans with you anymore because you're such a flake. Um, Or you could just let it die a a slow death, as you also suggested. But in that case, you're going to end up spending so much unnecessary time and energy making and canceling or being canceled on between now and when the relationship finally fizzles out, to me, that doesn't seem like a worthy use of your fuck budget. If I were you, I would just say, hey, you know, you're flaking on us all the time. This has been a long time in coming. I got to tell you, it doesn't feel good. It seems like maybe you don't want to make plans anymore, so we're not going to make them. And it's possible that that'll be the wake-up call that your friend needs, and they'll ask for another chance. Uh, And, you know, maybe they will prove themselves, and this will turn out to have been a long blip in the big uh, macro view of your friendship. But it's also possible that they'll be like, yeah, I guess I didn't really want to be in these friendships either, and that's why I've been doing this. Um, In fact, that has happened to me. I kind of stopped inviting somebody to things and they stopped uh, reaching out to me and we both just went our separate ways in a in a very amicable, non-confrontational way. And it turns out that probably both of us hadn't really wanted to be hanging out with each other for quite some time. Um, and it took me just stopping trying for that to for that to work out the way that it was always destined to. Like I said, it would be much better to save the time and energy on the front end Uh, and just put your foot down. But it is possible to just kind of let it go and see what happens. Maybe she'll stop making plans with you too. So anyway, that was a rambling and multifaceted answer to your question. But the important takeaway here is that this does not sound like somebody that you should be friends with or that you should be spending, nay, wasting your time, energy, and money on. So 
If I were you, I would put an end to it. Uh, you can decide to do that as confrontationally or non-confrontationally as you like. But I would do it soon and start spending those fuck bucks on people who do like to get together and who are a positive uh, force in your life. Okay, before we get to the next question, just want to remind you that if you dig the You Asked For It segment and you want to send me your own question, you can email podcast at nofucksgivenguides.com or you can fill out the form on my website, which is, surprise, nofucksgivenguides.com. On my website, you can also get all the information about my books, my journals, the No Fucks Given calendar, sign up for my No Fucks Given newsletter, watch that TED Talk that I mentioned earlier on the show, all that good stuff. And moving on to our next You Asked For It listener question. How do I not give a fuck that I am the only vegan in my family and everyone tries to get me to eat non-vegan food? Okay, I love this question because it means that a vegan is writing to me asking for advice. And usually I only get hate mail from vegans because I made one anti-vegan joke in my book, Get Your Shit Together. And uh, everybody seems to grab onto that as a reason to send me hate mail. Um, I think vegans are great. I think that you should do whatever you want and eat whatever kind of food you want for whatever reasons, whether it's environmental, because you love animals, just for your health. Um, and I don't think that anybody should force you to do it differently. So I am on your side, listener vegan. Um, and I think that, you know, the best way to not give a fuck about what other people do or say or pressure they put on you is to remember at all times that you cannot control other people, you cannot control what they think, you can only control your behavior. And you can just stick to your guns and say, I'm not going to eat that. I've told you before, I'll tell you again, I'm not going to eat that non-vegan food. I really wish you'd stop pushing it on me. And I know you don't understand this lifestyle, but maybe I don't understand yours and I'm not trying to get you to eat vegan food. So can't we just agree to disagree? But all of that, you know, presupposes that you are willing to have these conversations. The not giving a fuck part is just reminding yourself that you can't control what they do. So it's not worth it. It's not worth it to waste your time and energy worrying over or reacting to something that you have no control over. And if the problem is more like your family gets together for dinner and they don't have anything to serve you, um, then maybe you got to start bringing your own food or maybe you got to stop eating dinner with your family uh, because, you know, nobody has the right to force you to eat or not eat or say or not say or do or not do, you know, anything that you don't want to do that's a reasonable lifestyle choice of yours. Uh, you know, it may be unconventional or it may just be perfectly conventional, but one that they don't understand. Uh, there's really no call for your family to be pressuring you into doing things just because it's the way they do them and they don't understand you. Uh, and I give a lot of advice about this in my book, You Do You, which is all about accepting yourself for who you are, standing up for yourself, embracing all of your flaws or what other people try to make you think are your flaws um, and recasting them as strengths and using them to your advantage. And I did a couple of episodes uh, 14 and 15 of the podcast all about you do you and building that confidence. So I would encourage you to check those out if you haven't already. But the way to not give a fuck about your family trying to force you to eat non-vegan food is to remember that you can't control what they think. So there's no point in wasting your time and energy worrying about it. 
Just smile and nod and eat your tofu and you do you. Okay, this next question is something I know a little bit about. This listener says, I have a question about advice that falls on deaf ears. People find me to be a good listener, so they tend to unload and confide in me and praise me for the advice that I give. My problem is after I devote some fuckbucks to this, which I don't mind doing the first time or two, they will call me a short time later with literally the same problems and having changed absolutely nothing because they stay stuck and choose not to do anything. And then I lose patience listening all over again and get resentful. And these are often family members that I can't just drop like a hot potato. What does one do about these types of people? So I can totally relate to this uh, particular problem, as I'm sure you understand. The thing is that you don't want to let your resentment grow to the point where you blow up at someone who's really just trying to find some advice and help for their clearly messed up life that they aren't able to deal with very well. You don't want to get mad at that person. You don't want to make their life harder and you don't want to be an asshole. Uh, you don't have to do it that way. And in fact, you're putting in so much effort already as a kind of freelance counselor therapist that it wouldn't hurt for you to take that same time and energy and expend it on the front end with the kind of responses to these advice-seeking uh, missiles that will help them look inward and solve their own problems down the line. So what I'm saying is you still engage with them, but you encourage them to be less dependent on you uh, and to be more confident in their own decision-making. So you can actually say something like, you've asked my advice on this a few times before and it keeps happening. Maybe it's time to trust your own instincts. Or you could say, imagine I've gone backpacking in the Himalayas for a month with no cell service. What would you do? Or you could cut straight to the chase and say something like, I could give you my advice, but we've established that you never take it. So I'm going to pass on this one and save us both the time it will take for you to get to doing whatever you want to do. Sound good? And I'm really not kidding on that last one. The fact is, honesty and politeness is usually the way forward in any difficult situation. And if you have someone who is, you know, a serial offender in this realm of begging for advice and taking up your time and energy and then not following the advice that you give them and coming back for more, then it will behoove both of you for you to just tell them that. For you to say, hey, I feel like we've had this conversation before. Am I getting deja vu? Um, and, you know, just say, like, I don't really have the ability to tell you anything different. I haven't changed my mind on what I think is the right thing for you to be doing here. So I'm going to have to ask you to think twice about coming back to me for the same problem um, over and over again when I've already told you what I think. And if these are family members, like you said, that you can't really cut out of your life or good friends, they'll understand, you know, tough love is still love. And for your own sanity and for your own precious fuck bucks in your budget, you're going to have to rip off the Band-Aid and say some tough loving things to folks in your life who would otherwise just sort of be drawing at the bank of you in perpetuity. And hey, if you're feeling a little bit icky about this, just know that you're going to be helping them more in the long run. Give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. Teach a man to think critically about solving his own fucking problems, he's good to go, and you gain uninterrupted, untold hours of me time. It's an ancient proverb. Look it up. Look it up. 
Okay, next question. People find it strange, but I love living alone and not being bothered by a roommate or significant other. I do have friends and some who I love dearly, but they want to be with me during times I purposely spend alone. For example, some weekends I take day trips around my area to explore and get out of the house. I do this alone because, number one, I don't want to hear about someone else's problems for the entire ride. And number two, I just love being alone. I also love posting about my trips on social media, but, and this is where I give too many fucks, I'm worried that I'll hear back from friends as to why I didn't invite them to come with me. There have been times in the past where I've taken people along and regretted it because it became all about them and not my me time. And I have one particularly needy friend who brings that up, asking why I don't invite them when I allowed other people to come with me in the past. I make up excuses to answer them, and I hate having to do that. So Sarah, how do I keep my friendships alive and strong, but also tell them I like to be alone on trips and vacations? Well, first of all, I am right there with you. One is the loveliest number. I love being alone, and I'm married, and I love my husband, and I really enjoy spending time with him. But my alone time is extremely important to me. It's not just something I enjoy. It's something that I need. I need to be alone with my thoughts. I need to be alone to just rest and and recuperate and re-energize for all of the work and social interactions uh, that I have to do. And so I totally get this. And I'm really glad you came to me with this question. And for what it's worth, you seem really well adjusted about this. But if there's anybody else who's listening and is worried or concerned that they like being alone so much or thinks that there's something wrong with them uh, for enjoying their solitude, there is not. There is nothing wrong with wanting to be alone and with preferring your own company to that of others sometimes or all the time. I definitely think that there is a category of people who are neither introverts nor extroverts, but who are sort of anti-social socials. I, when I am on, when I am happy to be out there socializing, I am a great party guest. Uh, I am out on that dance floor. But generally speaking, I'm rather anti-social. You know, I don't like to expend too much energy on interactions with people that I don't really know very well, you know, new situations, big crowds. Uh, it's not that I am an introvert and that I'm not capable of handling those situations in crowds. It's that I don't really want to unless I'm really feeling it. And then, as I said, I am I am on like Donkey Kong. So it sounds to me like, and forgive me for repeating myself in this episode, what you really need to do is be honest with your friends. And it sounds like you have some reticence about that because you've had at least one person in the past push back on it. But people do push back. You know, when you say no to something, when you set a boundary, it's natural for people to push back a little, to question it. Uh, we all do it. And you just have to be able to push through that and say, yeah, you know, I know that we think differently about this or I know you wish you could come or, you know, sometimes I wish that I was able to go on these little trips with other people and not be so weird about my my need for isolation. But I need the isolation and I'm going to keep doing it my way. And I hope you understand. And again, if I may say, you sound very confident in your own wants and needs, which is fantastic. I love to hear it. But if anybody else is listening who has a problem with asking for what they want and pushing back on what they don't want uh, in general, not just in friends accompanying them on their drives around the city, I would say that you have to stop giving a fuck about what other people think. And as I have advised both earlier in this episode and all along in the No Fucks Given podcast and my books, 
The reason you have to stop giving a fuck about what other people think about your life decisions is because you cannot control what they think, so it makes no goddamn sense to spend your time and energy worrying about it. And finally, as to your very specific question at the end, how do I keep my friendships alive and strong but also tell them I like to be alone on trips and vacations, these are one and the same. If these are good friendships, then they are going to need to be understanding of your alone time and know that it is that alone time and that ability to recharge and that joy that you find in your lifestyle that allows you to then come back and be present and fun and, and available for them when you are together. You know, it doesn't make sense to force anybody into any kind of togetherness that is not working for them because that is only going to breed resentment and frustration and anger and friction and it's going to actually damage the friendships in a way that letting you go off and do your alone thing uh, is not hurting anybody. And this advice, by the way, is coming from a woman who literally used in her high school yearbook, my high school yearbook quote was from Henry David Thoreau, and the quote was, I would rather sit on a pumpkin and have it all to myself than be crowded on a velvet cushion. So I say, keep doing your own thing. Keep pushing back on anybody who wants you to do otherwise. You post those trips on social media if you want to. And if anybody has a problem with it, quite frankly, I say fuck them. Okay, folks, as usual, I am running on at the mouth, and uh, I feel like I'm not going to get to all of the questions that I necessarily wanted to today, plus the NFG tip of the week, so I'm going to try to speed it up a little bit with this next question. The listener says, I have a friend who makes me feel bad for making the best decisions for me. She always finds a way to victimize herself. This friend has also consistently made rude, inappropriate, or straight-up mean comments to not only me, but also my other friends who I care a lot about. Unfortunately, I have to interact with her because we're on the same collegiate sports team. How can I stand up to her when she's being rude? How do I let her know that I don't give a fuck about what she thinks? And how should I set those boundaries? All right, whoa, well, I said I was going to try to move this along. So instead of having a really long discussion about setting boundaries and telling you that you have to stop giving a fuck about what other people think, I'm just going to go straight for you should stop talking to this bitch. Um, I know that you're on the same team and everything, but the fact that you refer to her as a friend in this question is very telling. She is not your friend. Somebody who acts this way is not someone that you want to be friends with. Um, and I have found I am now 42 years old, uh, so I'm probably twice your age. And it took me until the last five, ten years or so to find the utter joy in just completely ignoring people who are assholes, just not giving them the time of day. And I am talking about people that I have had to work with or people that I have been forced into social interaction with because they are friends of friends. Um, you can really get around this problem by just not wasting your breath on them. And I would be perfectly happy to do another whole episode on standing up to bullies, standing up to rude people. I've certainly touched on that a lot in the podcast this season so far. But with specific regard to your question, I would say to you, this person is not your friend and this person does not really deserve your attention, positive, negative or otherwise. 
I would see what you could do about continuing on with your life without really ever having to communicate with them at all. And if they do say something mean or rude or self-pitying, just practice getting up and walking away, just turning your head, just not responding. Again, think about it in terms of your precious fuck bucks, your time and energy. Don't waste them on this person. They don't deserve it. Okay, penultimate question. This is from a listener who says, I've been with my husband for 15 years, and we still have the same conversations and issue regarding his family with any upcoming event, family function, or holiday. As one example, we arranged to get together for Christmas after the actual holidays so that our children could all enjoy their time with their new presents and toys. We arranged for a 12 p.m. lunch and each family would bring their own food. I ordered from a local restaurant so that we wouldn't have to cook and everything would be hot and ready to eat. We arrived on time and got a message from my sister-in-law at 12.30 that they had just left their house, which is over an hour away. This is not the first time they've showed up an hour late while we've waited. How do I not give a fuck about this scenario? Or how do I politely tell her that her behavior affects everyone? She's extremely sensitive, which I believe is why no one addresses this with her directly. And I want my husband to know that I want to spend time with his family because it's important, but not when our time isn't respected. Thanks for any advice you may have. Okay, whew, there is a lot going on here. Some of it is family. Family is a fucking minefield. Families tend to really get on each other's nerves, and frankly, they tend to abuse each other's good nature because they think they can get away with it because you have to love them because they're your family. I have gone on record as saying that family should be held to the same standards that you hold your other friends and perfect strangers to, so I am not buying that, um, and I do think that you are more than allowed to be honest and polite with your sister-in-law or anybody else and just say, you know, I need you to act differently and more respectfully for my sake, please and thank you. But again, lots going on here. Part of this is also a conversation to have with your husband. And I talked about um, setting boundaries with partners and with in-laws in a previous episode and I'll put that link in the show notes. But basically, sometimes it's your partner's job to have these conversations. He must know. Um, and even if it doesn't bother him as much as it bothers you, it should bother him that it bothers you. Uh, you guys are a team. You've been in this for 15 years. You've got this little family unit that you're bringing into the larger family unit. And you need to present a united front. So sometimes this is a matter of you expressing what you just did very clearly and and concisely to me to your husband and saying, I need you to try to fix this. But also, more generally speaking, this is an issue of people not respecting your time. And I referenced earlier that friend of mine who was constantly late to lunch and was eating up my time during my workday. And in my episode on time management, I told that story about how I confronted her about it and said, we're just not doing this again. And maybe that is a step you have to take with your in-laws. Maybe you have to say, hey, listen, uh, we're not really in love with this ongoing situation where we make this plan and then people are just late and they don't respect our time. So we're just not going to do it. We're going to take a break from planning and participating in these family gatherings. With family, this is the kind of thing that when you put your foot down might actually cause them to be like, whoa, 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 whoa not have the family gathering, okay, let's talk about what you need. 
Um, you know, maybe it's the catalyst that that your family in particular needs to make change so that these things can work out for everybody concerned instead of just working out for your habitually late sister-in-law. So just to wrap that advice up a little more concisely myself, uh, I would say the first thing is to have an honest and open conversation with your husband to say, maybe this doesn't bother you as much as it bothers me, but I really feel disrespected and I need there to be a change in the way that your family operates with events and gatherings. And I need you to be on my side about this. And I need you to communicate it to them because I feel like this should come from you and it might come across better coming from you. Or if you are comfortable taking matters into your own hands and communicating with your sister-in-law about your needs, um, you do it in an honest and polite way, just as you suggested. But you just do have to be honest with it and rip off the Band-Aid and say, hey, this is not working out for me and our family for these reasons. I'm really hoping that you can improve on your side of this so that these events can be fun and pleasant for everyone. And finally, if your husband is not willing or not able to communicate this effectively with his family, uh, if you don't think that you're really up to the task and what's going to happen is it's just going to remain the status quo from here on out, but what you'd like to be able to do is give less of a fuck about it, uh, then I would just remind you that you should manage your expectations. If this is always the way it goes, then stop expecting it to go any other way. Maybe you should also plan to be 15 minutes late if everybody else is going to be 30 minutes late. Or know that there are going to be issues caused by people's differing interpretations of what on time means that may mean you need to have something going on to while away your time, uh, something super special secret that you can do for yourself, you know, go into the bathroom and listen to a meditation app for 10 minutes just to keep yourself calm and entertained and focused on making your own personal time that day the most pleasant that it can be since you know that other people are just incorrigible assholes. Merry Christmas. Okay, moving on to my final question, then a little recap of everything we talked about today and the NFG tip of the week. So stay tuned for that. The last question is, for someone who's a public figure or runs a business with a large social media following, how do you stop giving a fuck about the opinions of random internet strangers and trolls without alienating your most loyal fans? Well, thankfully for me, my brand is built on not giving a fuck, so my loyal fans are not alienated at all when I lay down the law on random internet commenters or trolls, but I don't even do that very often. I really prefer to just stay above the fray on that kind of thing. I would say that, you know, if you're somebody who has a big social media presence and is really concerned about how you appear, uh, you know, publicly to that audience and and how you deal with trolls and with rude comments or people even who, you know, forcefully disagree with you, the best way to deal with them is to not deal with them at all. Just ignore it. Just walk away. Just mute it. Just block it. Just delete it. Um, it really does not pay to get into a war of words on the internet. And I've had a few situations where I've regretted getting into it with someone. And we're talking anything from, you know, just a nasty, bad review of one of my books or like somebody who's 
gotten up in my face about an, an important issue where they haven't necessarily even been wrong to come at me with their opinion, but they've done it in a way that is clearly never going to be effectively adjudicated in the comments section on an Instagram page, you know, and I just really try very hard not to engage on that kind of thing. And like I said, mute or delete or block or unfollow or take any of those prophylactic measures that you can to not have that kind of energy up in your social media feeds because it really isn't good for anyone. It's not good for you. It's not good for them. And it's not good for the fans who are following you um, with bated breath. Okay, so that was our last question for the fourth installment of the You Asked For It audio advice column. Uh, today, we talked about the fear that sticking to a strict fuck budget will rob you of surprise joy, to which I say, you don't have to be so rigid and so strict. And if something brings you joy, don't let it be a surprise. Work it into your fuck budget on the front end. Um, talked about dealing with constantly flaky friends, like real, real bad flaky friends. I say, those aren't your friends. And if I were you, I would stop spending my time and energy on chasing them. Family pressuring you to conform uh, to their dietary habits uh, when you just want to be off eating your vegan food for whatever goddamn reason you feel like eating your vegan food. And I want you to know that your family has absolutely no call to push you uh, to try to change your mind or certainly to serve you food that you don't want to eat. And you can tell them that I said so. Talked about the frustration about giving advice that falls on deaf ears and turning it around on those friends or family members of yours. Um, we talked about standing up to rude people, and sometimes I think the better thing to do is just walk away from them. That is uh, good for internet trolls, and it's good for college teammates. But I do think I'm going to do a whole episode in the future devoted to responding to bullies and standing up to mean people and standing up for your friends. I think that requires more in-depth uh, advice than I could give in this one little show. And we talked about in-law friction, which is pervasive. And, you know, it's just a thing. It's a thing we do. We combine families and that makes double the family pressure and uh, and double the fun. So I hope that I've given you some good ways to uh, get past these bad patterns with your in-laws. The first one is to present a united front with your spouse the second one is to feel free to honestly and politely confront uh, the person who's doing you wrong. And the third one is to stop expecting it to change and start building in some little secret bonuses in your day that are going to keep you happy and sane while you deal with other people's bullshit. If you liked what you heard and you're new to the podcast, know that you can get more You Asked For It in episodes 4, 8, and 12, featuring topics like dealing with hopelessly immature boyfriends, moving on from a career you hate, coping with a partner's anxiety, and even how to get aggressive huggers to back the fuck off. That was a personal favorite of mine. You can go to nofucksgivenguides.com for all of the show notes and binge away. And now, the NFG tip of the week. This is a short one because I know we're running long on time. Say it in pictures. This is a no tip from my last book, Fuck No. And it's a way to say no, set a boundary, or speak your mind in a way that's just a little lighter and more casual, which is by using emoji. You can keep these conversations brief, non-confrontational, and disarming. 
And instead of saying, I'd rather choke on a hard-boiled egg than sit through Easter services with the family this year, you could just text, can't make it this year, bunny, ham, sad face. I do it all the time, guys. Works like a charm. And that'll do it for episode 16 of the No Fucks Given podcast. Again, this was a monthly installment of the You Asked For It audio advice column. I do all kinds of other fun stuff on the other three weeks of every month. So please feel free to check out nofucksgivenguides.com and browse the back editions of the podcast, as well as check out my books, my journals, sign up for the No Fucks Given newsletter. And if you don't already, follow the podcast on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. They come out every Tuesday. And if you liked what you heard and you want to show all of those random internet commenters and trolls a thing or two, you could throw me a nice rating or review. Wouldn't that be nice of you? I would sure appreciate it. And again, thank you so much for listening. And until next week, I'm Sarah Knight. No fucks given. Not sorry. Sorry.